This is Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams, America's top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, both of them, one from California, one from Massachusetts. You can only guess what will happen next. Coast to Coast is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today to our show, Coast to Coast. I'm Craig Williams from Southern California. I'm Bob Ambrogi from Massachusetts. And I write a blog called May It Please the Court, which you can find at virtually any extension, .com, .biz, .net, .org. Bob? I write uh, two blogs, one called Law Sites, another one called Media Law, both of which can be accessed through LegalWine.com. Well, last week's show is up on uh, Pro Bono and Lawyers and the Supreme Court of the United States. It's on the website. But today's topic is diversity amongst blogs. Many have claimed that the blog world is an all-white, male-American-dominated club. Where are the women? Where are the Hispanics and the African-Americans? Do these groups have a voice in the blog world? That's right. Today we're going to have a uh, discussion about the issue of diversity within the uh blogosphere in general, and particularly among lawyers who blog. Uh, our guests will talk a little bit about their experiences in that regard and uh, share their views on this topic. Well, let's get started with our discussion. First, we'd like to introduce Lisa Stone. Lisa is the originator of BlogHer, which is a very popular women-centric blog and a, a seminar or a, a well, Lisa is going to be able to describe it, but she's also a journalist and a blogger. She writes Legal Blog Watch and Surfette, and her work has appeared in the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times, as well as other publications and websites. In the last year, she's launched and sponsored blog networks for Knight Ritter Digital and American Lawyer Media. She's blogged the Democratic National Convention for the Los Angeles Times, and she regularly contributes to Jay Rosen's Press Think. Welcome to the program, Lisa. Thanks very much, Craig. Thanks, Bob. Thanks. And, and next, we'd like to introduce uh, Monica Bay. Monica Bay uh, is uh, editor-in-chief of Law Technology News, editorial director of Law Firm Inc. and Small Firm Business, all uh, publications of ALM. And uh, she is uh, somebody I've known for a long time and who has been my editor as well as my friend. And, and uh, she's, uh, among other things, a, a rabid New York Yankees fan. Uh, it, she's a blogger as well. She writes the blog The Common Scold and uh, um, is a frequent part of the Law.com blog network as well. So welcome to the program, Monica. Thanks to everybody. And please welcome Sean Carter. With nearly a decade of law practice under his belt, Sean is a legal humorist who writes a syndicated legal humor column that is published weekly in general circulation papers across the country. He also writes a humor column for the ABA E-Report, which focuses on the life of the lawyer. He is also an author of a book, If It Does Not Fit, Must You Acquit, Your Humorous Guide to the Law. And when he's not writing, he's speaking to law firms, bar associations, and corporations. And you can check out Sean's blog, lopsided, L-A-W-P-S-I-D-E-D dot com. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you. There was a, a Newsweek article uh, called Blogging Beyond the Men's Club in which Stephen Levy posed the question, uh, since anyone can write a weblog, why is the blogosphere dominated by, by white males? Uh Monica Bay, I know that you're a little short on time today, so I wonder if I could start by asking you the question of, within the, the legal blogosphere, is it your perception that, that, that it's dominated by 
by white males, and uh, do you think that reflects uh, anything about the legal industry in general? Well, aside from the fact that I think, uh, Bob, that your blog and Craig's blog are two of the very best there are, um, I would have to say absolutely not. In fact, uh, when you all suggested this topic, I kind of looked at you and said, why? There are tons of women out there, in the, at least in the legal blog. I, I think Lisa probably will be able to tell us more about the general blog world. But as we were chatting, I just kept a quick little list of just some of the blogs that I go to all the time that are um, done by women in our community. And among them, um, Joy London has a blog. Denise Howell is basically considered one of the the uh, doyens of the blogosphere with her bag and baggage uh, blog. Carolyn Elephant writes uh, My Shingle, which targets small firms. Sylvia Coulter, uh, who is the head of uh, the Legal Sales and Service Organization, just this weekend launched a blog. No, thanks so I, I think I think women are a natural for blogs, and and uh, it's a perfect vehicle for women and for other diversity people of color, gays, lesbians, whatever. It's just such an easy vehicle that I expect to see quite a lot of diversity in it. Lisa, do you think that there's a significant number of white males blogging, or is there a, a, a is it a fairly even balance? I'd actually like to echo what Monica's saying. There are a massive number of women blogging. According to the Pew Internet surveys, uh, between 43 and 56% of bloggers are women. And I think, unfortunately, the number of people who are not white who are blogging has been under-surveyed. What's happening, however, is that when news stories come out about blogging and the mass media covers blogging, there has been an ongoing problem with getting reporters to cover bloggers who are not white men. Just this morning, I heard a story out of Washington, D.C. on NPR, and I'm a shameless NPR listener. I think fairly highly of the network, but they were covering the um, blogosphere's reaction to the nomination of Harriet Myers to the Supreme Court. Every single blogger they quoted was a white male. Now, I realize that they were looking specifically for conservative blogging reactions, but let's not ignore the fact that some of the preeminent conservative bloggers today, like LaShawn Barber, like Michelle Malkin, are not white guys. That's an interesting observation. So your perspective then, Lisa, is that it's not it's a perception, it's not reality. Right. It's interesting. I think the article you mentioned from Newsweek by Stephen Levy, he did a very good job reaching out to a number of women who are working to uh, who blog consistently and are also working to raise the profile of bloggers who are not uh, run-of-the-mill um, and and widespread in reporter Rolodexes. Rebecca McKinnon, for example, has a fantastic blog network called Global Voices Online where she is working with Ethan Zuckerman, white male, duly noted, to aggregate uh, blogs from around the world. Um, which are incredibly difficult to find unless you have hours and hours to invest in researching blogs and finding new voices. The good news is that with Global Voices Online, with BlogHer, the women's blogging network that I've started with Elisa Camahort and Jory Desjardins, there are new distribution channels for finding 
these diverse voices. In fact, just last week, as you blogged, Bob, um, Black Props got started. It's a new blog featuring nine black law professors, um, and it's off to an excellent start. But uh, it, my perception is that uh, while there are a large number of women bloggers within within a legal space, um, I, I am not aware of as many black uh, or uh, other ethnic minority bloggers in the legal field. It, and obviously it's a harder harder thing to gauge because blogging is, is to some extent colorblind. Uh, but, Sean, I wonder what your perception is uh, on that. I would agree that, that at least my hallucination is that there are very few um, African-American or, let's say, um, Latino or even Asian, I guess, something that may be easier for us to be able to see on, on, on blogosphere. Um, as far as in, in the legal profession, I think that's probably symptomatic largely of, of, of simply the numbers and the lack of diversity um, period in the profession. And don't get me wrong, we, we've made you know, great strides over the last you know, 15, 20 years in, in having a more inclusive profession, but you know, we still still um, you know, have had huge numerical um, <laughs> disparities. I, I find it interesting because you know, to, 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 to echo uh, the comments before, that was my original thought when the when the when the when the, when the, when the question was asked to me about you know being on the on the show today. I said, "Wow, you know, there seem to be tons and tons of, of women legal bloggers. Um, the ones that were mentioned earlier, but definitely the ones that many of the ones that, that I you know follow all the time. Um, and and I'm it, it almost seems to me to sort of parallel you know the progress we've had in the last twenty years to say of women partners in law firms." Bob, can I jump in here for a second? Those numbers have risen a lot faster uh, than the numbers for minorities. Yeah, Monica, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, no. Um, one of the things I think that all of us can do is use the power of our blogs to draw attention to these issues. And I kind of poked a little bit of a of a stick at Microsoft last week because they sent out a glowing press release about their new leadership and they had this kind of Brady Bunch chart of their nine new leaders and what a shock and surprise they were all white boys and I just couldn't resist although I know very well that Microsoft does a wonderful job of promoting diversity especially in its legal department but I just thought that was just so symptomatic that here are these you know you know, mostly white blonde guys. And I just put the picture up on my blog with a cryptic little note saying, uh, well, you know, so much for diversity. Um, Literally, within 12 and a half hours, I had one of the uh, WAG-Ed folks from uh, Microsoft's press uh, agency sending me a note telling me about the projects that they were doing, and I was able to update it with some, some you know, which I thoroughly expected to happen, uh, you know, report on some of the things that uh, Brad Davis's department is doing, which and they've won awards and they should be applauded for it. But I thought that was just amazing that I would put something up that was, you know, not you know agreeably a little bit tongue in cheek and get that kind of a fast response to it so perhaps one of the good things about blogs is that we can use these vehicles 
to be a checks and balance and to challenge some of these organizations um, and and sort of keep them honest on diversity and push it. Uh, you know, my pet peeve is the fact that law firms, you know, are such caste systems and they won't even put their administrators on their website. And I just harangue uh, morning, noon, and night on that topic. Um, Lisa, Sean, what do you guys think? As far as putting the administrators on the website, I agree with you. I really wish they would do that, only because actually I market to law firms all the time, and it's it's, it's very difficult calling and asking. Um, you know, Matt, Matt, ask who the legal administrator is, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but as far as the cast, it's cast, and I think that's you know partly symptomatic of why we see some disparity in 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 the at least in the ethic. Um, in the composition of bloggers or legal bloggers is 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 is, is, is sort of how blogs are used, etc. You know, and tell me this, maybe I have just a, a crazy hallucination here, but my thought is is that most of the legal bloggers are um, not in large firms or um, in government, um, but rather in small firms and, and, and solo practitioners. Has that been the experience of, of most of you? Not at all. I think they're all over the market. There's a ton of big firm folks. Well, to your point, Sean, it's interesting. Um, I would really like to see this as well, the cloaking of associates and people in the office, I think works against a firm that has spent a great deal of time and effort recruiting and retaining women and people of color, right? My experience, particularly as a working mother, if a firm has been able to recruit and retain me, um, then and they're good to me, uh, then I am really interested in being good to them, and I'm going to be proud that they're going to be willing to advertise my association with their firm. Here's an interesting twist. How about the bloggers, particularly those at-large firms, and we all probably could rattle off the names of at least four or five of them, who are go anonymous because... For a variety of reasons, they either are feel for, excuse me, uh, fearful, or they don't, or they've been told they're not allowed to have their blogs be identified. And there's a major firm that, with a blog that's extremely well respected, where you won't find the firm ID of the of the uh, author of it anywhere on the blog. That's a good point, Monica. Uh... I know that you have to go, and we have to go into a a quick break here. So I want to take this opportunity to to thank you and ask uh, Lisa and Sean to stand by uh, while we take a brief break. But, Monica, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was a great discussion. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information for those working in the legal profession. Coast to Coast is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. Welcome back to Coast to Coast on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. And I'm Bob Ambrogi. Thanks for joining us. We're back with our guests, Lisa Stone and Sean Carter. We're discussing diversity in blogs. Sean, as, uh, as an African-American male, what's been your experience in the blogosphere? 
Well, absolutely. And I wanted to, to echo a comment that was just made by Monica about you know some of the large firms and organizations discouraging blogging or at least identifying yourself as being affiliated with the organization. When I first started this, I was actually employed, and I was working for a very, very large public company. And you know, I, the general counsel, my boss, came in at one point and and, and you know highly discouraged me from identifying the firm or the, the, the company in any respect and basically said, hey, you never want to say anything on the blogosphere. You're, you're expressing your opinions here. You don't want those opinions lumped with our organization or, or scratch that. We don't want your opinions lumped with our organization. Well, that, you know, what's interesting, I, I, I was looking at uh, Lisa, of course, put together over the summer a conference called BlogHer, which uh, kind of focused on issues relating to, to women who blog. And I looked at the agenda, and and it struck me that that a lot of the those issues and the issue you just raised, Sean, are ones that that apply to bloggers across the board, not necessarily just to women bloggers, or not necessarily just to uh, black or Hispanic bloggers. And I'm wondering, are there are there issues that are unique? Say, Lisa, let me ask you: Are there issues that are unique to women as bloggers, or to women in the legal profession as bloggers? That's an excellent question. I think I need to think about that a little bit. There are three things that come to mind, Bob, with regard to women and blogging. Um, And the first is that it has to do with hours in a day, okay? Women still continue, and I'm unfortunately going to have to limit myself uh, in these comments to women with children specifically, Um, but women still um, shoulder the majority of the responsibility for child care and managing uh, a child's day. And when the choice comes between putting in a top-notch performance and billing enough hours and blogging as well as managing uh, the family's day, blogging is going to be the first thing that falls off the table, right? That's appropriate. I have actually spoken with uh, a couple of blogging groups who have tried to uh, sign women on um, to blog and had a tough time getting them to stick with it because there are these significant um, time crunches. So I think that's one thing um, that women face. And I think the second thing that some women may face is an um, idea that they are going to experience the same kinds of discouragement that Sean has just described. I think that that's a, a case study that uh, affects women just as much as it affected Sean, just as much as it may affect men in the space. Um, the good news is that there are some fantastic women um, blogging as partners in law firms who are providing a good example of how to do this. One of them is uh, certainly Denise Howell, who's at Reed Smith, and does bag and baggage. Another is Kathy Kirkman of Wilson Sonsini, who writes the Silicon Valley Media Law Blog. Um, there are excellent written advice columns out there for women who are considering how to blog and trying to figure out how to do it in a way that supports the firm and supports their work and supports the law and doesn't necessarily um, reflect too much of their personal life or girl places they don't want to go. Sean, I have to say, as someone who's just 
met your blog for the first time today. I'm really glad that you decided to do this. Um, I, I'm enjoying it very much, and I can see where a humor blog like the one you write might be out of the comfort level of, <laughs> of, uh, of a large corporation, but I'm, I'm really glad you stuck with it. What got you to stick with it? Do you mind if I ask? No, well, not, not at all. I mean, for, for me, and this is one of the things I w- want to talk about, for, for me, my blog is, is a marketing device. Um, I you know make my living speaking to law firms and bar associations and, and, and corporate in-house legal departments. So obviously I had to have a way for people to find me to preview my work and things like that. And that's one of the things I think that's sort of interesting is that you know it, from my experience and, and please I'm by no means an expert in this. I, it seems to me that there is probably a disproportionate number of the bloggers who are solo and small firm practitioners. The, a, lot, a lot of people using the, 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 the web as a, a marketing device, even if not just to draw particular clients, but to establish some credibility and some expert status. And I think... Absolutely. And it's a great thing to do. And, and I, you know, a great example is, for instance, you know, one of my favorite bloggers, Ernie the Attorney, uh, who I believe mm-hmm. is a patent lawyer. Uh, and, and the interesting thing about that, though, is I, I know, for instance, from his experience, he's, 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 he's in a small firm. I believe it's just him. And he can obviously do a lot of things that, that, that other people can't. And part of that is when you, when you look at sort of how to reach clients, particularly for, for, for minorities, if your base is going to be minorities, let's say, for instance, you were, um, you know, you, you're a Korean man or woman and you were born in, you know, in, in a Korean area, you went to law school, you decided to come back and serve your particular community. Reaching them through the web is probably not the way you're going to reach them. There, there may be language barriers, and that quite frankly, that you're using the web, a global medium, to trying to reach people in your direct community is kind of overkill. And so I think that there are some you know, logical disparities that would explain why you don't see people in certain communities, particularly, let's say, you know, the Spanish-speaking Latino community or the, um, you know, an Asian community where people speak a native language that you'd be using the web. It just wouldn't make a lot of sense. Sean, a number of bloggers link to one another, and what's, I think, one of the hallmarks of blogging is that there is a significant number of crosslinks. Do you think that, or have you seen, in your experience, white male bloggers only linking to other white male bloggers? in that I find people you know, in legal blogs being very accommodating in that respect. When I first got started, um, I was able to establish um, a, a number of links and, and cross-links. Um, just by the way I market, I don't do a lot of that now. But I found people were pretty accommodating. I think what comment was made earlier is that blogging is somewhat anonymous. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and that people very seldomly introduce themselves and say, Hi, you know, I'm a white male blogger, please list me. Or hi, I'm, but, I'm I'm a black male, and particularly with a name like mine, like Sean Carter, there's no way to know unless you see the picture. I, I just happened to notice as I was researching for this show today that there is there is a Black Bloggers Association website uh, that that tries to pull together RSS feeds and, and uh, uh, news reports from uh, blogs written by blacks. Now this isn't this isn't a legal uh, specific uh, organization, but. Uh, I thought that was interesting. There is one call. Are you referring to brownbloggers.com? No, this one is at uh, it's blacklogs.com. Excellent. So we have uh, two, and there are more out there. I have to in- interject that I um, respect what you're saying, Sean, and I disagree wholeheartedly <laughs> where women are concerned. 
Um, Guys Don't Link is the name of a fantastic essay by Sally Powers, who writes the blog Burning Bird. And there is no question uh, that there are, as Monica said earlier, and as I have agreed, massive numbers of women out there blogging and massive numbers of women lawyers out there blogging. Uh, At the same time, however, the interest in linking to a diverse number of perspectives of people who have crossed the digital divide and are online has been a definite issue. And it's not like women aren't out there. It's, it's that they aren't being listened to. And that is the value of brown, that is the value of brownbloggers.com and blog her because it's like a whole new distribution network for these new voices. So that if you want to be able to go and find them, but you don't want to spend a hundred hours researching them, you can go to these sites and find the new voices that you're looking for and perhaps even see yourself reflected. Yeah, and obviously, we, now we don't think that this is, you know, assuming that it's the case, and it very likely is the case, that this isn't sort of a conscious thing, but rather that the guys are just not taking it seriously. But not that they're saying, hey, this is a woman, we can't list it, but rather this is a woman, she must not really have anything to say. I think it's much more that people link to, I, first of all, I don't think we can stereotype why and how people link, period. And that goes for white males, that goes for black men, that goes for white women, okay? Um, but I do think that we can say that um, people link to the people they read. Okay. And a real risk, if you are out there blogging, is that you're not casting your net wide enough. Because I personally believe that bloggers are journalists of a specific kind. And the risk is that you will not continue to study the medium and open your mind, just like a reporter can get too limited a number of sources for the beat that they're covering. I think there's a responsibility to continue to try to find out who's out there. Well, here's an invitation for, as a white male blogger, for any non-white male blogger out there, send me a link and I'll be happy to take a look at it, read it, and if I like it, I'll put it up on my blog. I'm more than happy to do that. I sometimes don't get out as much as I'd like to be, but there's, uh, it's good to know that it's out there. Well, I'd like to thank our guests, um, Sean Carter and Lisa Stone today. Bob? Thanks a lot, Sean and Lisa, for joining us. Appreciated having you. My pleasure. Thanks very much for having us. We are going to wrap up this segment and uh, be back in a few moments with uh, news from the blogosphere. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Now, from the legal blogosphere, this week's Legal Nuggets, insights and worthy trivia. You be the judge. Craig, uh, I know that everybody this, this morning is talking about uh, the new Supreme Court nominee, and I'm sure we have some thoughts on that. I I, uh, I have to say that it, one of the uh, stories that struck me from the blogosphere the most over the past week was something I read on your blog, which was uh, your post about Tammy Holly. Uh, and uh, as I as I understood it, and you can tell me a little bit more, but you you mentioned uh, Tammy Holly, a, a lawyer in New Orleans who needed some help, and and uh, quickly got her some help. That's pretty surprising. How. Uh, effective blogs can be, and especially in a situation like what happened with Katrina. I did put up a post. I got an email 
from Tammy Holly, who was a New Orleans lawyer, needed some help. She was completely displaced and moved to Lafayette. Uh, she was out of a job, out of uh, an office, uh, was working from her home. She didn't have a computer. She didn't have a website. She was a personal injury lawyer trying to do some marketing. And with the uh, help of helpkatrinalawyers.org, uh, they built her a website, got her uh, computers, and basically back on her feet along with, uh, I think they said, about 12 other lawyers that they had individually helped and are still to this day helping more. It's a fantastic response by uh, the consultant uh, area of people that help lawyers, and it's just uh, very heartening to see that. It really is amazing. You can actually see her site at TammyHollyLaw.com. It's a great uh, site. Yeah. And uh, what are your thoughts on the new nominee? What are your thoughts on Harriet Myers, Greg? Well, I want to thank, uh, before we do that, uh, the Southern California tip to the uh, Stinger music. I feel like I was listening to the Beach Boys all over again as a lead into the blogosphere thing. It's uh, great to see a little bit of of uh, respect out here in Southern California. But, um, you know, Newport Beach is having its 100th anniversary this year. But for Harriet Myers, it seems to me that um, it was a... Uh, Conservatives are disappointed um, from what I've read in the blogosphere and from uh, from what else I've seen. Not everybody knows exactly how to respond to her because she's so unknown. I mean, Feinlaw put out a list of, what, 27 judges that have, have no legal experience or no judging experience? Right. Rehnquist being one of them. Earl Warren being another one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I uh, was commenting uh, before uh, the show started to, to you that uh, one of the uh, dominant traits about her seems to be the, the pursuit of power. She's had a career marked by the pursuit of power. Uh, but uh, I guess we'll have to find out more about her record as this moves forward. Well, I guess that's the question. Are we going to find out about her record? Well, we're going to find out a lot about it. There's no question about that. I mean, there's already been a lot of reports about her activity with the American Bar Association. She was... Uh, uh, a leading force behind the uh, the effort to get the ABA to put put its stance on abortion to a vote of the membership, and she was successful in getting it to the vote, but not happy, I think, with the outcome of that vote. So uh, uh, there, there's uh, a lot of activity in her past through her bar association work and whatever that will certainly give us uh, at least some flavor of what she's done. Well, Bob, I think we found our topic for next week, so at that point I think we should wrap the show and say goodbye. Thanks very much for listening. Sounds good. I look forward to talking to you next week, Craig. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams. Coast to Coast has been sponsored by Law.com. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.